egotistical, so unpredictable Here on the SNL Network Yes, that is right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the SNL Network's roundtable for the Lizzo episode of Saturday Night Live. My name is John Schneider from the SNL Network. So happy to be with you on this holiday weekend, no matter what you are celebrating. I hope you celebrated this wonderful episode of SNL that we have. I cannot wait to hear what our panel thought of the episode. We had a great hot take show on Saturday. We broke down all the sketches, so make sure to check that out. But this is the show, The Roundtable, where we dive even deeper into all the best moments and sketches of the night and talk about the moments that we really want to talk about. So introducing who we have here tonight. Yeah, she hasn't joined us on a roundtable in a while, but she is a frequent guest of Hollywood Dish. It is the great Morgan Kaloran. Morgan, how are you? Hi, guys. How are you? I'm good. What's new with you? How is Chicago going? Chicago's great. You know, um, the weather is a little misty and cold, but hopefully spring is going to be coming soon. But yeah, everything's good over here. Yes, I was watching the Cubs game before and they said very cold in Chicago tonight. And I was thinking, I was like, okay, Morgan's joining us. So I I got my Chicago fix in a little bit. Always great to talk to you, Morgan. Looking forward to getting your thoughts on SNL this week. And of course, uh, joining us as always to talk about the show. It is at SNL has a cast, as his name says. It's Andrew Haynes. Haynes, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. I had an incredible comedy weekend on Friday night. I got to see Martin Normand and big shout out to uh, Sean Murphy, the the guy that opened for him, just uh, had a fantastic set. And then on Sunday night, I got to see the inimitable Chris Rock, which was amazing. I had wanted to see Chris Rock probably, you know, since 96 or something. And this was actually my first time. So um, the only comedy disappointment of the weekend was this episode. Oh, okay. Whoa. Taking a curveball in there. Uh, I did did not expect that at all. Um, I was going to ask, uh, did you go up to Chris Rock at all and say, do you want to talk about anything? (laughs) Yeah, I caught him after the show. It worked out. It went fine. Yeah, because I'm still waiting for him to talk about it. So Chris, if you want to come on and talk about it, let us know. Um, But yeah, that sounds like a great weekend. Uh, Interesting. You didn't like the episode. All right, Haynes. I can't wait to debate this with you because I Mm -hmm. thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, Bill. Bill Kenny joins us, as always. Uh, so great to talk to him about Saturday Night Live. Bill, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, we're full into baseball season here, and we're winding down SNL, so it's it's a great time of year. Uh, Haynes and I have to be off in a little while here to get our rivalry going, so Dodgers okay. Braves at 10 o'clock. So. <laughs> All right, we'll try, we'll try and get you guys done in time. And, uh, of course, if you're joining <laughs> us in the chat, we want to see your comments throughout the night as we go through the sketches on this episode. But, yeah, I mean, uh, this announcement that we got for this episode was, you know, Lizzo was going to be coming on the show. Obviously, Lizzo has been a musical guest previously on the show. She was the musical guest for the Eddie Murphy episode in 2019, which, uh, you know, the, the billing, you know, naturally, you know, people in the world, they know Lizzo. It's a big name. But the billing for that episode clearly was, you know, Eddie Murphy was hosting the show it was it was a big deal so uh you know lizzo naturally overshadowed in terms of the snl community for that episode but obviously you know the cast the production saw something in lizzo that they said we have to have her back at some point to host and she was finally here so um this was something that we had heard about for a while and she was booked for the easter show so morgan what were your thoughts when you heard that lizzo was going to be hosting snl Well, Lizzo, like herself, is just so authentic and fun. So I knew that like when they chose her that she was going to just like come in full force and just kind of like be herself and 
just go for it. I feel like she's such a risk taker, like in her music and also just like personally. Um, and she's so confident. So I was really excited to see like how she was going to be acting and doing some comedy and, you know, she did like a really good job, I thought, but we'll, we'll dive more into that later. But yeah, I was excited when they announced it. For sure. I think that was the main thing that I took away from this episode was like, I didn't know what to expect. I knew that she is obviously like a performer and, and has a lot of fans, but uh, her confidence in terms of the role, the roles that she portrayed and everything like that, that really stood out to me from this episode. So uh, Haynes, what were your thoughts? I mean, before we get into the episode, what were your thoughts on Lizzo being booked for the show? Well, I thought it was a perfect choice. So she's exactly the type of confident fun, energetic, just like truly magnetic personality, uh, the perfect type of person who should be asked to host. So I think it was a perfect choice to ask her to host. Um, I expected it to be a lot better than it was. I thought the, you know, her performance uh, during the Eddie Murphy episode, both those performances were amazing. I love Lizzo. I think she's so awesome. I was uh, tweeting about how I- Not really enough. I I just thought that I just listen her performance isn't my fault. I thought that uh but I thought that I was looking forward to this so much and I actually you know I I just I I don't I like breaking as much as the next person can when it's really genuine but I think I like it when you know something's kind of going wrong in the sketch that's creating a certain tension and maybe people are actually like trying really hard not to screw up um and that's where like the laughs are coming from. Uh, you know, watching another cast member try and and keep it together as, you know, a prop has messed up or something. Um, Just, I actually wonder if her confidence was part of what led her to take this a little bit too casually. I mean, it sounds weird to say that maybe, you know, you would think like you can't have too much fun on SNL, right? Is that's like, I think that would be the case, but um, she was just breaking so much it, I don't want to say that she was half-assing it, but I didn't see like why she was breaking or where the pressure for these laughs was coming from. And um, to me, it just it just it hindered the flow of many sketches, and it wasn't as charming as I would expect it to be. So I was I'm a really big Lizzo fan. I was really looking forward to this, um, and I wasn't I wasn't super impressed. So interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's fascinating, and like I, I want to break this down and dive further, but I obviously want to get Bill in here first on talking about the actual booking of Lizzo. So, Bill, you saw the name Lizzo pop up for double duty for this episode. What were your thoughts and expectations coming into it? I was very excited. I, I feel like the bookers have done a great job bringing in people this year who, although they had never hosted, uh, really you knew they were going to come in and and bring it and give their all. Um, but I agree a lot with Andrew, um, you know, when she started off with the monologue and into the game show sketch, it felt like, well, we were really rolling. And then the cue card reading, the obvious cue card reading started and then breaking was constant. And that was very, very distracting for me as well. Um, I feel like it was a pretty good episode. I, I didn't hate anything, but I feel like the writing carried this episode a lot more than the host. And I hate to say that because I love Lizzo as well. Yeah, I mean, like not to be and in reference to somebody else who broke a lot, I mean, not to be a Debbie Downer here, but uh, yeah. I, I like, you know, I, I'll criticize the cast any day of the week when they break during sketches, uh, especially unnecessarily. But when it comes to a host for me, 
I don't have a problem with them breaking, especially as much as Lizzo did, because I feel like it's fun. Like, I feel like um, there, there was like, yeah, I was going to say like, my general thought about the episode was like, if you didn't love it, it's because maybe you like weren't in the right mindset to have fun with it because it felt like everybody was just having the best time. Morgan, we didn't get your thoughts overall on the episode. So maybe jump in on the conversation and then we'll head back to Haynes. I like if anyone breaks character, whether it's a cast member or host, musical guest, whoever, I love when they break character because it just makes me laugh even more. And you can like kind of see like their real side and kind of like get more like emotionally involved with them because they are breaking at that certain moment. Um, And so I thought that like, I don't think she was breaking because of her confidence or she wasn't taking it seriously. I thought that she was actually like emotionally, like, like feeling it. You know what I mean? Like she was like having so much fun and they all were. And when she was breaking, it was when she was like doing ridiculous things. Like when she was like twerking or when she was like saying random things like she had reasons why she was breaking I feel like um but I just thought it did add a level of fun and like authenticity to it for sure yeah yeah all right Haynes get in here I um that's so that's something that I disagree with a little bit uh, you know when you say like um that she was doing these like really extreme things when she was breaking a lot of times it seemed like she was breaking for like just a regular line. And I didn't even see what was like that funny about the line. Like maybe it was a straight line. It wasn't even a punchline. And um, so I I don't know why um, it was happening so much. And, you know, like I said, like I can very often, I find breaking charming, but um, there was something about it just continuing to happen. um, And, and other people, I didn't feel the energy of the other people like trying to hold back their laughs. That's where the, the, the humor in it comes in to me. I mean, you can feel the tension of other people trying not to laugh. She was just like so casual. Um, and I'm not trying to hate on Lizzo. I love Lizzo. I just was, I was surprised that I didn't enjoy this episode as much as I thought I was going to because of everything that she seems to bring to the table. But I do find that there's like, like, I don't know, not to pick on him, but like there is an episode in the season with Jonathan Majors as the host, which to me personally was not my favorite episode of the season. And I felt like in that particular case, he was a host that came in that I sort of felt like took everything like too seriously in a point where I, I, it was almost like noticeable in sketches about, um, you know, and then, you know, we talk about how hosts performance. I remember us discussing Kieran Culkin being a little bit nervous and stuff like that. And I just find like, you know, when you come out as especially in her monologue when she was like so into it, like wearing her best pom-poms and just like, you know, looking, looking her best, feeling her best and stuff like that. Like I sort of give her slack in a way because it's just like, uh, she's just vibing with whatever's happening throughout the night. And I feel like the cast was even better because of the breaking in a way. Like, I don't know, maybe I'm just seeing this episode completely differently. Really quickly on that point about like Kieran, I can't pronounce his last name. That almost makes me, yeah, that almost makes me like more anxious when I was watching it because he was like so nervous and he like wasn't um, really having that much fun with it. Um, Yeah, like that makes me more anxious than like versus like Lizzo breaking. Like that was more fun to me. So I feel like I would rather be watching something more like casual and fun like that. Yeah, I I think uh, you're you're spot on, John. Especially in the Beanie Baby sketch, I think Dismukes really held it together. Uh, especially for someone who's who's very 
new to the show, uh, relatively speaking, and uh, to not break at all while she is just in a full out laugh uh, through most of the the second part of the sketch, and and we saw that most uh, throughout most of the night with uh, with a lot of different cast members. So yeah, definitely, I, I didn't notice her breaking as much on first watch, but it was rewatching all the sketches in the last two days where it was really kind of out there for me, like oh. Wow. Okay. She, she broke a lot. So I, I think that was my major issue and saying all that. I think she was very charming and I wouldn't be mad if she came back and hosted again, um, give her another chance and kind of uh, see what she can do uh, with the second try. I would like to jump on that. I would, I would love to still have her back because honestly, I expected something a little bit different this time. And I, I know that she has more than the potential to rock this show. Like I was so confident coming in that she was going to be my all-star from the episode. Um, but I just didn't see it that way. Yeah, for sure. And obviously we have our MVP voting coming up at the end of the episode. So we'll let you know what the audience thought if she was their all-star. But I do have a theory about episodes like this in general. And this is an episode, like I said, I, I would describe a lot of the sketches as very fun. Some of them made me laugh, but a lot of sketches we talked about as being a little bit more fun than funny. And perhaps that goes into, you know, Lizzo breaking some of the cast breaking all this stuff. And my theory is, is that these are the types of episodes when you're watching them live that you need to watch with a friend. Like these are the ones that you sit down with, you show them one of the sketches, you know, maybe it's after the fact and you show them or during live, if you're like with a couple people and you watch it, whether it's, you know, watching with your spouse or watching with a friend or whatever it is. And I feel that really adds to the experience of watching the show. Cause then you just feel like, Oh wow, like this party is happening and we're a part of it. And it's really, really cool. Um, it's not like that for every single episode, but I think episodes like these in particular, it is. Okay. Let's talk about uh, the cold open that we had from this episode. So this cold open, as we always do on the roundtable, we like to talk about what kicked off the episode. And uh, it was interesting for me. I mean, I, I saw that we had an Easter-themed cold open. Thought we were going to get something different, but it was really packaged as an impression off. And it was like, okay, who can we grab to do certain impressions? And I'll just say off the top, before we get our panel's impressions, our, our panel's opinions, that some of these impressions worked a lot better for me than others. So we can't help but comparing as you roll through them. So Morgan, I'll start with you on this. Uh, anything stand out to you that you'd like to talk about from the Easter Wishes cold open? Well, first off, um, I love Bowen. Um, so I love when he gets a chance to like really like shine and stuff. So I'm happy that he kind of like carried the sketch. Um, but also, like you said, I, I feel like it was a little bit too much going back and forth between just a bunch of random different people. Um, you know, like the impressions and stuff. Um, I thought that it could have been stronger if it was just like maybe like a couple or if it was just like politicians and not just like kind of like random people. Um, I got they were doing like the redemption kind of thing. Um, but I thought Bowen really carried it. And I thought that J.A.J.'s just like Trump impression is amazing. And I don't know how he does it because when you close your eyes, I, I was watching with my boyfriend. I was like, close your eyes right now and listen. like. Who do you think that like is this Trump or is this JJ? Because it literally sounds exactly like Trump, and I just think that his impression of him is amazing. So I love hearing him do that, even though I don't like Trump. Morgan, are you tired at all of seeing JJ as Trump, or because you find the impression so good, you're enjoying still seeing it? I think he's the best Trump that SNL has had ever. Way better than Alec Baldwin or anybody for sure. Yeah, um, I would say no doubt for sure, especially this era of Trump. I think there's an argument about the Daryl Hammond Trump during the uh, 
maybe the apprentice days, but, um, you know, everyone has their own opinion about that. Uh, Haynes, what are your thoughts on the Easter wishes cold open? Anything from this cold open stand out to you? I enjoyed it. Um, I, so, you know, unlike what Morgan was saying, I really like the revolving like impressions. Like I like those types of sketches where we can bring folks in and, Yes, it might seem like a little bit of a crutch because you know you've got all these great impressions sitting over there um, and maybe it's a way to not do as much writing. Um, but I don't have a problem with that because laughs are laughs. Like I don't need a great story in every sketch. So if I'm getting my laughs, then if you want to give it to me through impressions, that's fine. Also, for anyone who listens to this podcast, um, folks know I'm a big fan of impressions and impressionists. So I like this a lot. Um, I think... Chris Red has really found something with Eric Adams. I just think that is so good. It's right up his alley. It's even better than the Kanye, I think, um, which he gets a lot of credit for. I just really love this impression for some reason. Um, I know that Chloe's Britney seems to be like very well regarded. People seem to love it. I don't laugh at it as much as some of her other stuff. I'm not the hugest fan of that Britney. Um, it's 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 good, but I just I don't find myself laughing at it that much. So I do think, um, but but we got a lot of classic characters here. Marjorie Taylor Greene, um, who you know you we call that a classic. Well, well, well. That, I mean, that she's been doing her for a while, though. Cecily's been doing her for sure, a while. Sure. Yeah, she's be, she's becoming a current mainstay. Um, and I did like uh, I really liked um, Kyle's Jared Leto's line. You know, well, if uh, yeah, that was yeah, that was the best. If uh, if you're one of those folks that likes to review movies, then Morbius might not be for you, <laughs> um, or whatever it was yeah. he said along those lines. Hey, he, he also I did like this part. Hey, it's me, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, I'm Jared Leto. That was Actually, funny. That was very good. Yeah. It was very funny. Yeah. And um, gosh, what was there? There was I feel like there was something else that was popping out about this. Oh yeah, you know, as Morgan said talking about this Trump impression, you know, people, we talk like we're tired of the Trump stuff, or at least it felt that way at the end of Alec Baldwin's run, but I don't care. As long as J.A.J. is doing it, it is so freaking good. Give it to me anytime. I don't care. I don't like to have to deal with Trump in my real life. I barely watch the news anymore. I just, you know, and he's not in the news that much compared to, you know, not so long ago, but anytime that James Austin Johnson wants to give us that Trump, I will take it. It's just amazing. The growl is amazing. Um, I want to hear it every time. I'll take it anytime. Yeah, uh, this was really great. He's right, Mr. Bunny. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> I love that. That was so good. And then uh, there was also this line. I've told America COVID would be over by Easter. I just didn't say which one, okay? <laughs> that was a good line. I like that a it lot. It was great. Uh, Bill, yeah, Bill, get in here. Yeah, I, as far as the J.J. Trump, uh, I think part of it is uh, that Trump is on the sidelines, so to speak, at this point. If you talk in 2024 or 2023 when he's running, um, I'm going to have a lot more problem with seeing it every week and having to head shoved down our throat. Him living on an island in Mar-a-Lago, let him, you know, bring out the impression every week because it's that good. I, I love the line with the, the Reese's, how well he knows Reese and uh, not sorry. We don't want our food to apologize. Um, yeah, I mean, this, I think he gets better and better with this. And he really has found a niche with being able to do every idiosyncrasy that that man does. So um, as far as the rest, uh, very hot and cold. 
Uh, not a fan of the Kyle Leto. Um, really? No. And, and and Chloe is Brittany getting one line. I mean, if you're going to put her in her talk show and we're going to do something like that, I'm fine with that. But her coming out for one line, you really don't get the meat of the impression. Uh, er- same thing that Andrew said as far as uh, Chris Red. I mean, the, the Eric Adams is just so great. And, and having his own catchphrase at this point with the unless you like that <laughs> uh, is is great. Uh, Kate is Fauci. But yeah, I mean, some of it I could have done without. It was eight plus minutes again. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like we see this too much. I'm good with impressions, but find a better setting for it. Yeah, my thing just is like, Okay, we're 18 episodes in. Six episodes have featured J.J. as Trump and six episodes have featured J.J. as Biden. And every single time they have alternated between each other. And I just feel like when patterns start to become um, consistent Mm -hmm. on the show, that's where we run into problems in terms of evaluating the comedy. Because sometimes I believe that the show feels like every single episode is a new one, right? It's all fresh. It's what are we going to do that week? But you sort of have to start considering yourself, especially somebody like Colin Jost, who does write a lot of these cold opens, that there are comparisons made week to week. Like, we know we got Biden last week, so are we going to get Trump this week? Like, I'm full on expecting, based on what's happened so far this season, that episode 19 is going to start off with some version of J.J. as Biden. And, you know, like, I want to be surprised. I want to be, especially when you open up the show that way. So um, I think that that would be my one criticism there. And it's not of J.J. as Trump at all, but it's just about the logistics behind it. Um, With regards to the impressions themselves, I I did enjoy the Kyle as Jared Leto thing. I think it's been a while since Kyle in a cold open has really impressed me, but I thought that that was something significant and uh chloe is britney spears just like sort of made me miss the britney spears cold opens because i felt like it was something that was fresh and something that was different and i was like why don't you just you know we saw her i think it was in the jonathan majors episode that uh she was there for the cold open as britney spears but i i would like to see the britney spears talk show from that we saw a couple times last year that i think really popped in were some of the best cold opens of the season come back so um those are really my things uh for the cold open but obviously um i don't think this was anybody's like favorite moment of the night but at least we uh, covered it a little bit okay let's talk about the sketches that we want to talk about from the episode and morgan i will start with you give us the sketch that you want to make sure that we talk about on our roundtable definitely the tiktok um thread pre-tape for sure okay and morgan i know that you are a big tiktoker so how did this stand out to you so the thing is it's like You have to be an avid TikTok user or like Instagram Reels user to like understand where they're coming from when they're writing it and when they're like coming up with these little TikTok scenes. Um, And in my um, opinion, since I am a TikTok user, um, I thought that they, they like nailed it because every little scene TikTok that they made, it's like I've seen something like that on my TikTok for you page before. And they like every time with the last one that they did with Billie Eilish too, um, they literally nailed it. And I was laughing so hard because if you're watching it on your TikTok, then you can kind of relate to what you're seeing on the screen on SNL. Um, so it just makes it more funny in my opinion. Um, but I loved all the little like ones. And I think it's interesting to see like who they choose like from the cast to do what TikTok. Um, and I think that they're really spot on with it for sure. And I love the one that Lizzo was in when she was like cussing and stuff because in her monologue, she was cussing a lot. I just feel like it was on brand for her. Um, but I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. 
Yeah, Lizzo and Sarah were so great in that one. Um, Haynes, I sort of feel that the TikTok pre-tapes are this era's uh, movie auditions, right? Like when you mm. used to have the back of the Back to the Future auditions, and then everybody would come out with their different impressions. Like now, I feel like this is the version of that where, like, let's get every single cast member on screen doing something funny. That's not a bad point. Um, it's actually a, it's an interesting thought, and so you could be right about that. The biggest difference to me is that um, those those movie auditions are some of my favorite sketches. I love that vehicle. I love that vehicle, and maybe I should. So I so I haven't disliked any of these TikTok sketches, but none of them have been like big time favorites of mine. Maybe I need to scroll TikTok more because I do get some of the references, but I'm not, if every single one is supposed to be a little mini parody, then I'm not getting all the references. And it, with the movie auditions, I generally did get every single reference, you know? So maybe I'm missing, if I, maybe if I was getting a little bit more of the references here, then I would be laughing harder. I don't dislike them, but I do think of those movie sketch, um, those movie audition sketches as like some of my favorite vehicles for impressions. So um, this, this was funny to me and it did have a little bit of a story arc, you know, with uh, starting with the kid was supposed to be studying for his LSATs. And then of course, one of the TikTok characters, James Austin Johnson as his father actually ends up in his room. Um, so yeah, pretty funny. Yeah, and I, th I guess the big difference here between that era doing the impressions and this is I actually feel like this era isn't as strong impression-wise as that era. So that's probably the reason that this works better. I think the only impression off that we really had this season, of course, besides all those cold opens, is the Rami Malek episode. They did a game show where they had a bunch of impressions, um, and that was really uh, impressive. But uh, besides that, I mean, I think that they used up everything they could there on that one, and we haven't seen it since. Uh, Bill, what did you think? of the TikTok pre Uh Pretty similar to these guys. I, I really enjoy these. Uh, as I said the last time, I think I was on the Billie Eilish when we talked about TikToks and, uh, you know, my experience is watching the cat and dog videos with my daughter and uh, scrolling really quick past anything that might be inappropriate. So uh, I don't get all the parodies either, uh, but I find this hilarious. And, and, and I love Bowen doing Tom Steiner. Um, Punky explaining your, your, while in, in her uh, writing, it says they're misspelled incorrectly. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of little stuff in this that you can Did go you back see, to. by the way, that the real Punky, like not like, punk, not actually Punky, but the person that Punky was portraying got like really mad at SNL for not paying them to use their video in no. the, like a copy of their video. Yeah. <laughs> Very, now TikTokers are getting upset about that. So. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, th this worked for me. I, I, and if you're going to get the cast in a bunch of stuff, uh, it, it, all in one sketch that this is a great way to do it without being kind of overwrought. So yeah, I like this a lot. I will toss out there. My personal favorite line, what it was just the quick one liner when they cut to Dismukes in the tiger paint. And he's like, Hey y'all quick explainer on Ukraine. <laughs> oh, that was so funny. Yeah. My, my personal favorite was this. You know what? Tony can get it. <laughs> that was funny too that was a good line that was, yeah. that was very funny um morgan uh, my only thing when i was watching this on the second watch it finally hit me i was like um this is really good obviously not intended to be a real person watching tiktok but if 
you actually watch TikTok, the algorithm starts to figure out what you like, right? Mm -hmm. So you would never get this much disparity in terms of the different people on TikTok that would actually show up on your particular feed. Yeah, no, I get that. And when they were like scrolling past, like that's in like what Bill was saying, it's like, yeah, sometimes you have to scroll because they do give you like random things, even though the your for you page is kind of curated to like what you like to see. I feel like I've like seen over like the past couple even months, like I've seen like videos that they like parody basically. Like it's relatable in a way. But obviously you see videos that you like to watch. But yeah, they did a good job and um I like how they did tie it in all together. Like they made it kind of like a story almost like with the studying and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. My algorithm just consistently gives me golden r retrievers running in fields. That's just to like, I can't, I can't, I mean, I'm happy about it, but I can't escape it. Um, but yeah, the other thing I would say is uh, my favorite for, uh, my, my other favorite was Bowen Yang singing Tom's Diner. I just thought that, that just kept getting me. I kept laughing at that part. He sounded just like, he literally sounded just like that person, the guy that actually <laughs> like sang it like that. Like the exact okay. same. If you've listened to the, the song. Yeah. So he did, yeah. he did a great job. Yeah, that was uh, very, very good. Um, okay, Haynes, uh, what is the sketch that you want to make sure we talk about? So um, I'm not trying to sound like a grump. Uh, I'm not a. I, I obviously love SNL, and I like I love watching it every week. Um, I didn't feel like this was the strongest episode in terms of. The sketch work, and that's um, you know not just referring to Lizzo's breaking, um, but you know I don't remember I don't know who mentioned it earlier. Someone said uh, you know it felt like the high marks were kind of carried by the writing. I still felt like there were yeah Bill said that I still felt like there were times where you know these weren't all the best written sketches that I'd ever seen, um, and so I did feel like. Um, I've been able to count on PDD pretty regularly. So they have, they seem to land it every time. I did like this PDD. I'm not saying it was their best, but it was a good one and it didn't disappoint me in any ways. So basically the premise was, you know, Lizzo shows up, uh, they want to pitch a sketch. And of course she decides she needs them to write two new songs because she doesn't have songs for her performance. And then of course uh, she's very serious about it. And we realize why when Dismukes shows up and threatens to kill her if she doesn't succeed in this task. Um, so all of a sudden, the guys are trying to write songs for her, and she's like, "I need a you know a powerful uh, black woman's anthem." And they're like, "Well, I don't think we can do that. Maybe we could do like powerful white man's anthem." No, let's not do that. Um, and and uh, so and 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 I love the little um, theme of her kind of um, maybe having a crush on Martin. Uh, she pukes when uh, when he mentions that he has a girlfriend after she had called him hot or sexy earlier in the uh, earlier in the bit, and then of course it all culminates in um, you know she grabs their sketch idea for a horny zookeeper and turns it into this bop that is totally fun and um, a little bit catchy, uh, you know, about being a horny zookeeper. So I really enjoyed this. It was classic PDD, and it was a it was a great few minutes of TV. I think. 
Yeah, 100%. I mean, I definitely feel on the second watch to me, this really, really stood out as something that was very funny. And I think that the uh, complaint from some of our panelists again on Saturday was just that, you know, like, again, you know, feeling in the office, the office is becoming a little bit tiring for some people. But I felt that cutting to the music video uh, really, uh, like changed my opinion about what I saw that they actually like went and executed on the concept in the end. And that uh, made this a lot better. So, Bill, what did you think of the PDD short? They're listening to me. They're staying in the office for the rest of the season. <laughs> Damn it. Thank you, boys. Uh, yeah, I love this. This was fantastic. Uh, love all the different songs that they try to do. Or I got my blue jeans and my bottle of Jack. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and the twist, I mean, Dismukes comes in, you know, nice the first time and then says he's going to kill. And you don't know it's Dismukes, you know, and, until at the end where she goes, well, I guess Andrew Dismukes is going to kill me. Like you think he's playing a role. You know what I mean? At least I did. Uh, so that was a great line. Um, yeah, that this was great. They keep up their hot streak with, uh, with another, uh, I never get disappointed when I see these guys. So, uh, very, very funny, but there was a lot of songs that were specifically suggested, but this one, I got my blue jeans on and a bottle of Jack. <laughs> that one really, <laughs> that was so good. Morgan, what'd you think of it? Um, I thought it was hilarious. I love when they like air the PDD and not like save it for a cut for time. Cause I feel like they were like doing that a couple times and I was like, that's so annoying. But, um, cause it's a good like break in the show, honestly. Like when you think you're going into commercial break and then they do PDD, you're like, yes. Um, but I thought that it was really funny. And I thought that when they were like suggesting all these songs, like none of these songs were like on brand for Lizzo, which made it even more hilarious in my opinion and then i do agree with you john when they like cut to like actually executing it with the zoo idea <laughs> that was fun and i feel like they kind of did that with taylor swift also like when they kind of did like a music video song with her um with a musical guest like i think that they can always utilize them in like a singing form um for that obviously which was exciting to see I have a question for the panel. Okay, so you put yourself in the position of Lauren Michaels and the producers in the offseason, and you realize that you can bring one of the Please Don't Destroy guys into the cast. Which one are you bringing in based on seeing the seven PDD shorts that have made it to the air, and obviously a couple were cut for time that were put online as well? Haynes, if you had to pick one between Martin, John, and Ben, which one are you thinking right now? Uh, not to sound racist, but I always go for the redhead. Gotta okay. be Ben. Got to be Ben. <laughs> All right, just because of the red hair or anything else? No, no, I no, I was I, no, I, I pick Ben because um, I just like his uh, subtle kind of underplayed work. Uh, but I just have this running bit in my life as a redhead that like I always support redheads. But no, I Makes really I, I I like Ben. I like Ben. Okay, Bill, what do you think? It's got to be the Hurley boy, uh, Barton. Uh, just. I don't know. Something about him sticks out above the others. Uh, I, I don't know if it's his expressions, if it's uh, the way he reacts to these things. But yeah, Martin stands out. Do you have like a crush on Martin? <laughs> you do, Bill. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> um, uh, we actually have seen some of them like appear in different you know spots for sketches throughout the season, except for John Higgins, who was actually cut from an update piece a couple weeks back. But um, I think they are you know testing the waters, seeing who really fits well. Uh, Morgan, if you had to pick one of the guys, which one are you picking? I agree with um, Bill on Martin. I think that he's, I mean, they're all so hilarious, but I kind of, yeah, he stands out to me and I think he's the funniest out of the group. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, he has, uh, and our, our friend Julia in the chat uh, says that he was also used in a sketch and dress last week that got cut. So good to know. Um, yeah, so I think I think they're trying out different stuff. Okay, so we got uh, seven PDG pre-tapes in for the season on air. Uh, if you had to guess, we have three more episodes. How many get in on the last three hangs? One. Okay, Bill? Two. Morgan? I think like two aired Honestly, maybe one cut for actually, sorry, one air and one cut for time. Okay. I think I'd go with two. And I wonder, I mean, this is the time when we start, you know, like I know, again, making some Lonely Island comparisons. I think this is the time near the end of the season where you start to get excited about what they could potentially do towards the end of the season. And like, can they end off on like a really big note as they close out their first season? So I, I think we're going to get one in the finale for sure. I think it's a good button to close. And then I would say they're definitely going to do one between Cumberbatch and the next one. And will that make it? Who knows? Um, Okay. Uh, Bill, what is the sketch that you would like to talk about? I would like to talk about uh, the 10 to 1 sketch, Steve's Beanie Babies. Uh, I think it's one of the underlying themes of the year, uh, besides the monologues being so tight and so personal, that the 10 to 1 has kind of made a comeback. You know, the last few years, it's been kind of iffy. You know, they just kind of throw it against the wall. I, I feel like the last five or six episodes, the 10 to 1 sketch has been one of the best of the night and i i feel like this was probably the best of this episode as far as live sketches go um with the smukes uh quitting his job uh because he's he's made investments and uh hmm. you know obviously you cut to the beanie babies which uh makes me laugh i mean i i can remember people going to mcdonald's and hoarding the beanie babies that were there because you know they were going to be worth thousands of dollars each and um, so everybody can kind of relate to that. I think Dave mentioned it on a hot take show and I can relate to the baseball card thing. Uh, growing up, I, I had 20,000 cards in my garage for, I can't even tell you how many years thinking that it was going to make me a millionaire, but yeah, if it ended there, it would be funny. But the fact that it continues and it escalates what we're always looking for. And it goes into this whole, you know, thing about, well, he's going to draw Mario and, and they show this, you know, drawing that a 10 year old must have made of Mario and he's not even wearing the right clothes and um, <laughs> he's dressed like Luigi. And uh, yeah, I, this, this was so great. And then to, to end it on that, you know, the scroll of, of him leaving his family and his friends and going to Japan and becoming the number one Mario drawer <laughs> uh, funny from top to bottom for me. So uh, this, this was great. Yeah, this is really funny. I mean, I watched this on a second time and uh, just listening to Andrew Dismukes, especially during the crawl, I'll play this once more. And son, if you're reading this, stop trying to contact me. <laughs> so funny. I, I, I really got um, Jack Handy vibes from Andrew Dismukes, you know, and I'm starting to feel it both in terms of the writing. I've heard about some of the sketches that Jack Handy has wrote, just coming in with the most ridiculous concepts and the confidence in his weird concepts. And uh, I feel like there's something special brewing with Andrew Dismukes. Morgan, how did you feel about the Steve's Beanie Baby sketch at the end of the night? So I thought that the idea was funny with like the investments. And of course, it's funny that they chose Beanie Babies as like what he was investing in. Um, cause they were on like high demand, obviously back in the day, but I don't, it didn't like resonate with me as much. I feel like the ones always before the end, like, I feel like it was a little rushed in a way that made me more anxious than like Lizzo breaking. So like, yeah, I just thought, I thought it was a little bit rushed. Um, it was a little like random, but I think that the idea was good. I feel like it kind of maybe could have been executed a little better, 
Um, I liked the storyline about it. And then like the Mario part was good to kind of close it out. But yeah. It's funny when the, when the sketch first started, it was, you know, they were putting a lot of emphasis on the fact that they were, you know, not going to be working, but they were going to be very set with money. And then immediately Andrew gets up and starts saying, you know, investments are very important and there's a lot of different ways you can get it done. And even just in that like three Mississippi that it took him to say that, this entire sketch played out in my mind where I was convinced in that moment that the sketch we were about to see was that their entire retirement was going to be based on him like using a pyramid scheme to just get money from their friends. And I really thought he was about to just start selling them all on why they should invest with him or something, um, it, which I think also would have been a funny sketch. Um, this, you know, it's it's funny because... I think of myself as a person who's, I'm a 10 to one guy, because that's when they get the weirdest and that's when they like push a little bit. Um, this didn't feel particularly 10 to one-ish to me until the very end where he like runs off to Japan and is like hiding from his child. There it really, it kind of hit the 10 to one, you know? And, um, but I, listen, I thought it was pretty funny. I enjoyed the, uh, you know, the yelling back and forth and, and Andrew did do a good job keeping it together while Lizzo was breaking a lot. Um, I never collected Beanie Babies, don't have any, um, never really been a collector of much anything except when I was in elementary school, I kind of was obsessed with baseball hats. Somehow I had like 50 baseball hats. I just had like a ton of baseball hats. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was a good time. It's a, it was a fun way to end the show. Yeah, uh, I feel like it got 10 to 20 when he threw down the bookcase of the Beanie Babies and then you heard this glass smash and it was like, <laughs> okay, this is going to get very weird. Obviously, the Mario Luigi drawing. I mean, uh, I do feel like you are probably right that this could have gone even further to make this even weirder. But, you know, this I, I felt this was written in Dismukes' style and um, even, even the subtle nature. I think if you go and rewatch this sketch, if you're a listener and you haven't watched it again, listen to Andrew Dismukes voice prior to him finding out that beanie babies are worth nothing and listen to it after it's the tone in his voice changes completely and it is really well acted so i really enjoyed that from him um i would say myself so first off my, my dad is a huge collector he collects antiques uh, anybody who knows me personally like knows whenever they went to my house they saw like a wall full of antiques because my dad has collected those for a very long time and uh he always encouraged me to like uh collect some type of cards whatever so during the pandemic uh, like right at the beginning i was like oh okay perfect time to like go like you know clean up I'm sure everybody did this. We had to go like look through all the cards, see if they're worth anything. I got rid of so many cards that were worth absolutely nothing. Ironically, uh, there was a Yadier Molina, who's played for the St. Louis Cardinals, rival of the Cubs, rookie card that I had. Obviously, that would be the one that was worth somewhat something, um, the future Hall of Famer. But um, yeah, I was, it was that. And then also trying to think what else I collected. And I don't know if you guys ever heard of these or experienced them. But when I was like, I would say when I was in elementary school, everybody I knew was collecting something called crazy bones. Was this just a Canadian thing? Does anybody remember this? Okay. <laughs> they were, Sounds they were, vaguely familiar. 
Okay, look it up if you don't, if you don't know what it is. But I remember that everybody would collect these crazy bones, and you would go and you would buy them, and you would get like a package that you would open up, and then we used to like have them in the back at school. Um, anyways, that was like our weird thing that was happening. But we did ask our audience. We wanted to know like what types of things did people collect that they really felt like uh, they would have uh, like a fortune of. So I'll read out some of those options: um, childhood collectible items that you believed you could make a fortune of. Okay, panel, you ready for this? We have, first off, Barbies. All right, I feel like that was pretty common, uh, as Colin Jost uh, liked to say on a Weekend Update. Finally, they're gone, said two Kendalls. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, Barbies people collected a lot. Uh, babysitter's Club books, uh, so mm. those were popular. Uh, Bratz dolls, uh, Webkins. I'm not sure if I know what Webkins are. Webkins, new with the tag and access codes. Uh, VHS tapes. I do have a lot of VHS tapes. I used to record shows before the internet and, you know, people thinking that, you know, you can actually watch stuff online. So one day I have to go through those. Um, old, old Lego sets. Uh, Funko Pops are certainly popular now. I have the Dick in a Box guys right above me. Um, American Girl dolls, uh, baseball cards, and of course, uh, Garbage Pail Kids were the most popular childhood collectible items that we got from the audience. So um, very, very fun. The Babysitter's Club reminds me, I did collect Goosebumps books. I collected Goosebumps books. And yes. not to get too far off track here, but I will brag I will brag a little bit about my dad. I don't, I don't have a ton of um, baseball collectible stuff, but my dad lives in Noonan, Georgia. It's a little south of Atlanta. And he won a lotto um, that, that they picked 50 people. And he did go and meet Will Smith, Braves closer, who was a stud through the end of the series, oh. and 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 sent me a a Will Smith signed baseball. So I do have that upstairs. I'm excited about that now. Yeah. Okay. So he, he Will Smith didn't say. Keep my wife's name. Different Will Smith. Yeah. Oh, my dad rubs people the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, that's that's funny. Okay, uh, let's talk about the sketch that I want to make sure we talk about, and that is the Black Eyed Peas sketch. And there, there was a couple here I was thinking in between, but definitely the Black Eyed Peas sketch I really enjoyed. And um, I saw a lot of comparisons online. I mean, like I know this is sacrilegious. It's not. This is not uh, Blue Oyster Cult or anything like that. I, I totally get that. So I'm not. I'm not making those comparisons. But you know, when you grow up with this song. Or the, the things that they're talking about, it certainly is relatable. And like I said, I mean, this was me in high school. I was not saying I'm the biggest Black Eyed Peas fan in the world, but I like really, this album came out and you could not go anywhere without hearing songs um, from the Black Eyed Peas. And I just think that the, you know, the way that they covered this between uh, Cecily doing people in a place. It's like, where the place? And there's so many good things. And um, I know that they've done a few different parodies of the Black Eyed Peas over the years, but Chris Red as App of the App was very funny. Um, of course, the classic line, which uh, every one of my non-Jewish friends uh, knows, particularly from the song, knows, Mazel tov! <laughs> You know, the breakdown of I Got a Feeling and Boom Boom Pow, there was a, like, th this album was so weird, but was so strangely popular that I feel like it had to be parodied on SNL. So um, I, I did really enjoy this sketch. Morgan, what do you think of it? This like sketch made me realize like how not like stupid their lyrics are, but how like almost like simple and basic their lyrics are. And like, I don't even know where they like got those ideas from, but like they, I, maybe they're just because it's so um, catchy, which is like what made their song so successful and popular. Um, but that was like a realization to me when I was watching the sketch 
And I just thought that it was hilarious. Like John, like you said, like I grew up listening to the Black Eyed Peas and all those songs. And like when you're younger, you're not like intensely kind of listening to like the lyrics of it. But now looking back, like analyzing the lyrics, you're like, this is just so like surface level. Like there's nothing really like there's nothing deep about them, really. Um, But they were so successful. And I loved um, Cecily as like Fergie. And yeah, they did a good job. And that was a good sketch, I thought, where they could be breaking because like 80 was breaking a little bit um, because they were just being so silly and kept like singing the lyrics over and over and over again. Um, I really enjoyed it and I thought that it was creative. Yeah. And for those wondering, the two previous Black Eyed Peas sketches that were on SNL, there was one when Miley Cyrus hosted and uh, it was the whole sketch was uh, Andy Samberg and I think it was uh, Keenan Thompson uh, were playing Apple D app and Taboo and they were saying it's our time now. You know, we're <laughs> it's time for us to have a sketch show. Um, so that was one take on it. And then back in season 31, uh, there was a time when they had the Black Eyed Peas being played by some of the cast and Bill Hader was talking about how you can rent the Black Eyed Peas for parties and bar mitzvahs and all that stuff. So those are the other two times we had Black Eyed Peas stuff on here. Haynes, what did you think of the Black Eyed Peas sketch? Well, you know, you, you say it's relatable when you like grow up hearing these songs. So it was really relatable to me because I've spent so long making fun of Black Eyed Peas, you know, like they were today. I um, just really hate them. So this was made all- for you. I hate the Black Eyed Peas. I always have. The sketch was, the sketch, you know, was funny enough. It was fine. Um, but there is something... Uh, it, I just really don't like the sounds they make. And I, I I often view sound as like a core component of music. That's just me. And so <laughs> I've made it. I'm sorry. I hate Black Eyed Peas. I love making fun of them. So that's the most positive thing that I could take away from this. It's fun to poke fun at Black Eyed Peas, I guess. For sure. And also, I think Fergie's not actually part of the Black Eyed Peas anymore. So I think that is Probably another weird. Not, yeah. yeah, that is a weird note. But uh, Bill, let me get your thoughts on the Black Eyed Peas sketch. Well, they can't all work at the same McDonald's. I mean, let's be fair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, this whole episode was very 2000 and late uh, between this and the Six Flags. Uh, yeah. Interesting how they're going back, you know, 15, 20 years and pulling these out. But I enjoyed this for the most part. Um, I'm, I'm somewhat of a music snob, so I did not like them either. Uh, I did like I Got a Feeling because uh, it was catchy and, you know, but as far I'm a lyrics guy, I need to know why you're singing what you're singing to me. And um, it bo- it always bothered me, but I like the breakdown of of these three songs and how really crazy how how, how little little importance the uh, the lyrics were. Uh, my probably my favorite part of the sketch was uh, seeing Aidy and Cecily riff off each other. It kind of reminded me that we haven't seen them a lot together this season. And uh, you know, they came in together. Are they going out together? Um, you know, so so seeing them and, and getting those old school vibes with those two and how funny they are together uh, was was really fun. But uh, yeah, I mean, this was this was okay for me. Yeah, that that was a great, uh, really great point. I haven't thought about that. But yeah, it's true. We really haven't seen that pairing so much. We saw them so much for years and years and really haven't seen a lot of that this season, uh, whether it's due to absences or just particular sketches that got on air. But uh, really great point, Bill. Um, So we did ask our audience. We also asked, what are your favorite Black Eyed Peas songs? So we know Haynes' answer, but uh, Morgan, I'll start with you on this one. Do you have a favorite Black Eyed Peas song? Yeah, on the SNL Network's 
uh, questionnaire thing I wrote, um, just can't get enough. Okay. Yeah. That, yeah. Okay. I like that one. Um, Bill, do you want to come in with maybe one that lyrics worked for you? Uh, I, again, I got a feeling, uh, was, I, I have memories of, of hearing that song in certain places and, you know, at weddings and, uh, we, we went to a Cowboys game that year out in Dallas and, you know, they did this like five minute video of, of the players coming out singing that song. So that kind of sticks with me, but, uh, yeah. For sure. Haynes, anything here to contribute to the conversation about this or no? I mean, I think I, I did see, you know, the Twitter, the Twitter th thread asking what our favorite song was. And I, I made some joke saying like, yeah, I think it was called No Such Thing from the album Trick Question for Obvious Reasons. I mean, of course, of course. Black, awesome. Black Eyed Peas suck. That's my opinion. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, that's fair. All right. So the, this is what our audience said. By the way, my personal vote, uh, and I will say, um, uh, Where Is the Love is a song by the Black Eyed Peas. I said this before. Is I, I still think one of the greatest songs of all time. Uh, book it. But uh, I Got a Feeling, Where Is the Love, Just Can't Get Enough, Meet Me Halfway, and Boom Boom Pow were the five that were voted um, the most by the audience. I will also put a note for Don't Funk With My Heart. I think that was a really good song. Their, their earlier album okay morgan what what hates <laughs> anything i just i'm so glad we're friends <laughs> oh me too man yeah of course of course <laughs> um morgan uh anything else from the episode that you would like to make sure we talk about i'm trying to think uh the i thought the throne room one was like crazy and kind of silly i would like to hear everyone's thoughts about that one yeah, that was an interesting sketch. Another where we had a lot of cast members and really just all around, um, you know, having some type of weird orgy in front of a kid uh, king. Uh, Haynes, anything on the throne room sketch? Yeah, this was one of my least favorites of the night. It just never really did anything for me. Um, I mean, it was Dismukes was kind of funny as the little boy when he stood up and, and was getting spanked. Um, you know, I always think as of Bowen as someone who is like one of my kind of all-stars, he seems to always shine. And he did in the Easter cold open, but for some reason, his lines in both this and um, Stevie's Beanie Babies, it, it just seemed like his lines were falling flat for some reason. And I don't know if, I really haven't had time to process or analyze exactly why that was, but I was, I'm just not used to like not getting great laughs from Bowen. And I understand he was playing kind of a straight character, in this, um, you know, he obviously, you know, the jokes really weren't supposed to be coming from him, but, but his reactions, I, I don't know, something was just missing here. Um, and yeah, so this, I didn't, I didn't love this sketch and, and it just surprised me that I was going like, why aren't I laughing harder at Bowen right now? I think he was trying not to break because if you go to his Instagram, he posted a, a dress version of this sketch. He posted about a minute and a half where him and Cecily were just like cracking up the entire time. And I think for air, he was just like trying to peek at he, it. He, he really focused in and maybe overtoned himself down. Bill, what were your thoughts on the throne room sketch? Possible candidate for worst sketch of the season. Oh, Seriously. terrible, terrible, terrible. Uh, nothing funny. Uh, I'll say the same thing Andrew said, but for Chris Red. Uh, when Red can't save a sketch, uh, there's there's no hope. Um, you know, I think the only thing I even mildly chuckled at was Kyle, of all people, you know, running around as the imp and, uh, you know, his little silly giggle. But uh, yeah, nothing nothing funny here at all. Um, wow. So 
didn't work for me. I will toss out. I did not. I had to look up the word puckish. I was excited to learn a new word. I did not know the word puckish. So I learned a word. So it was educational for me. Should should have been cuckish if it was Kyle, right? <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. That, that makes sense. Um, I would say that uh, this was somebody's 100th sketch appearance, and that would be this person. Oh, boy! Oh, bring that ass! Oh, that ass! <laughs> yeah, that would be Andrew Dismukes, who I felt totally did uh, save this sketch for me. Um, he was by far the best part, so I, I did enjoy uh, him in there. Haynes, is there anything else from the episode that you want to make sure we talk about? Yeah, Cesar was, I did think Cesar was very funny. Um, so I really enjoyed that. I mean, it was basically just a guy roasting his nephew. And, um, but I do love roast jokes. And so I loved this. I loved how um, it, it just seemed like it was something that he, the character, like could not not do, you know? So he's, he's so remorseful as soon as he does it. He's so sorry. Uh, that he's done this, um, but he just can't help but keep doing it. And they were funny. They were funny burns. You know, um, he's talking about, you know, you got nine lizards and he wants one more instead of 10 lizards. I don't think you get one girlfriend. I mean, that's a funny burn, you know, <laughs> especially uh, especially talking the, the idea of like a grown man saying this to a kid. I mean, in real life, that would be horrifying. But uh, but here it really worked. And um Yeah. I just, I just really got a kick out of it. I thought Melissa did a great job. You know, she um, has bemoaned not just here of late, but you know, in the past, you know, how she uh, has felt like you know she's not um, always getting her due. Well, I thought this was great. I'm glad we got to showcase her in this way. I hope it leads to more opportunities because I really enjoyed this a lot. What do you guys think? Yeah, it's just at, at Carlito's expense. Uh, we had to get some more, more <laughs> Melissa. I did. I, I thought that the best part of this was this one. That's the worst mistake she's made since she gave birth to Carlitos. I mean, that's a great line. That was yeah, hilarious. That was great. We don't get a lot of Melissa Villasenor sounds on the soundboard this season, but we did get that one. Uh, Bill, thoughts on Melissa on update? Love me some Melissa. Uh, you know, when they when they trope out another uh, stand up at the weekend update desk, you go, oh boy. Um, but my excitement of seeing Melissa overtook that and then she killed it. Uh, I, I love, I don't think we've seen something uh, like this before where the uh, standup is immediately regretful of what they've said and uh, continues to apologize. So yeah, I, I think there was a lot of good material here and I hope it leads to more for her in the last three episodes. For sure. And uh, thank you for the uh, people in the chat. We're definitely going to talk about this on the Patreon Feedback Show tomorrow. But uh, Melissa did post on Twitter today that Aristotle was actually the one that reminded her of this character uh, that he had originally seen in her stand-up a few years ago and convinced her to try it out on the show. So that's a fun, cute little story uh, to, for how this character got on the show. Morgan, uh, what did you think of Melissa on Update this week? Well, that little story, I feel like made it so much better that she's like done this one before and then she finally got to like do it in front of a huge audience live. Um, so I'm happy for Melissa. And I, yeah, I feel like we haven't gotten that much from her this season, honestly. So I'm honestly happy that she got some time and she did it amazingly and she was hilarious. Um, I did see that there was like a baby Yoda with Kyle and baby Groot with like Lizzo cut for time um, for update. And I'm like so upset because that's one of my favorite Kyle characters is the baby Yoda. 
So I'm a little sad that that did not make it on update, but hopefully we'll get that before. I, I, I need to hear more about that because I hate that character. <laughs> I, I just think I mean I just think Kyle himself does it so funny and like with the like the little hands and I don't know he he's so good at it, but. Yeah, hopefully they'll do it before the end of the season. It's it's funny, you know, Bill and I agree very often on stuff. I am 100% uh, with Morgan on this. I know I know Bill hates this character. I've heard about it before, but I I think it's funny too. I really actually love the Baby Yoda character. Oh hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think this is uh this is one of the most polarizing characters that have ever been on SNL, I think. So, um, it's so Kyle. It's just so Kyle. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely, yeah, definitely a polarizing cast member. Um, Bill, uh, w- anything else from the episode you want to make sure we talk about? Well, I want to talk about what we didn't see on the episode, and that was uh, Gilbert Gottfried, Gottfried uh, tribute. Um, you know, we, we talked about this last year when Ann Beats died, and, you know, this strange direction that SNL has decided to take where they don't really give tributes to a lot of people on the show. And I'm not really sure why that is. Um, You know, I know it's a comedy show. You don't want to go too dark. You don't want to go too sad, but I feel like giving 60 to 90 seconds to a cast member, regardless of what era he was in, regardless of it not being considered a great uh, season. uh, I I feel like they should have done something more than a placard for him. Um, so I recommend to anybody listening, uh, you know, either go on YouTube and look up Gilbert Gottfried SNL, go to Peacock. Uh, there's some really funny sketches, uh, and season six is not quite as bad as people make it out to be. So, um, he's not just the Aflac duck. Go back and watch, uh, some of his funny stuff on this show. Yeah, I'll, I'll piggyback off that. And it's, it's not just that he was a cast member, but you think about his impact outside of SNL and he's just such a freaking original like there's no one like gilbert godfrey there really isn't and he's a real stand-up you know like he was working till the day he died like he was my sister saw him you know last year and he's just i just have been a i just think that he was an amazing 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 person and it would have been nice to see a little more uh respect paid there um yeah so everything bill said yeah, I think um, I think I, I mean, look, I agree with all the comments here. I, I did say some words on the hot take show about uh, Gilbert Godfrey and, and certainly, uh, you know, resonate with everything you guys are saying. I just think that, um, unfortunately, there's a little bit of a precedence for, you know, what they, you know, how prolific of a cast member you have to be before they end up showing some type of clip. And maybe it, you are right, Bill, that it should be the standard. But, you know, like I think back to, uh, I think Tony Rosato uh, passed away a few years ago. He was a season seven cast member. I don't think that they showed a clip then. And I think that uh, it, things do get a little bit tricky when you're talking about cast members from the Ebersol days versus the ones from when Laura Michaels was the producer of the show um, in terms of maybe both relationships and access to that type of footage to post on the show. I don't know what the deal is with all that stuff. So um, I'm happy they at least acknowledged it. I think that um, it it is always interesting to analyze when they do have, for example, a former cast member come back and talk about, you know, their experiences on the show with somebody who has recently passed, or even in this case, I think in the first episode of the season, we had uh, Colin Jost and Michael Che talking about Norm MacDonald. So, um, you know, it, it really differs for everybody. So it's always um, interesting to see what SNL is going to do. And, and all I could say is like, I agree with the criticism, but I am happy that they at least acknowledged it. I feel like a good way for them to like address situations like that would be like through 
their social media platforms. Like if they like did kind of like a big compilation of like his best sketches and things like that. Did they do that? Do you know? Um, I don't think they did. Uh, so I, feel like I mean, they should always do that. Yeah. That should just be like something that they do for like in memory of them. But yeah. And that's a great point. I mean, you don't even have to put it on the actual show now. You can put it on your YouTube channel. You can put it on Peacock as its own entity. Um, so that there's not really an excuse to not find some way to honor uh, the comic genius of him. For sure. And, and, and like, you know, not not taking a shot at the social media team at SNL, but I will say, like, in terms of like what we do is that like and I know I know none of you are either, but uh, but you know, like obviously we felt like we should, so we did end up putting up a clip of Gilbert Godfrey on our Instagram, so and our I believe our Twitter as well. Um, so if you wanted to go back, that is in our our grid, and I think also Andrew Dick from that week in SNL, he put out a clip of Gilbert Godfrey from a sketch on Twitter as well. So um, you know, at least uh, you know people in the community putting out and sharing these clips of Gilbert is always really really nice. Um. Okay, the sketch that I really wanted to make sure we talked about tonight that we didn't get a chance to is uh, Six Flags. And I think that you you all sort of like looked uh, when we were talking about it, or some of you kind of felt like there are similarities between the Black Eyed Peas and the Six Flags in t- terms of like 2000s uh, nostalgia. But um, this was like beyond my expectations because I think that... Um, it wasn't necessarily about them taking this character. I mean, they could have taken Tony the Tiger for all I care. It wasn't really about the character itself. It, to me, this was all about uh, Sarah Sherman getting a chance to do uh, physical work on stage just to see how incredible of a performer that she could be on SNL for years to come. I was just so impressed with that because like, I really can't remember. I get like, I, I bring up Sherry O'Terry. I'll bring up Martin Short. Like I can't remember. It's been a long time since we've had a cast member physically do the things that I think that she can do on screen. Haynes, you're nodding your head. What do you think? I couldn't agree more. I mean, that was my number one takeaway from this thing was, wow, you know, how exceptional was this physical comedy and how fun it must be to do that when you're, you know, healthy in shape and not going to throw out your back or something. Um, And so, uh, yeah, just absolutely exceptional uh, on that note. An additional note I will toss out, I really liked kind of the B plot in this sketch um, where Lizzo just keeps burning Mikey about like not being able to please her eventually. And it's like, why does, why does this just, why does she just keep doing this? Um, But I I really, I thought that was very funny. I did think the sketch went on too long. Um, I feel like they were kind of beating a dead horse, but my big takeaway was, was Sarah Sherman's um, physical work was exceptional. Yeah, you're, you're totally right about this. Trust me, honey. You're not going to be able to make me make any noise. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> and then uh, this is this is the best with Sarah jumping you in. You know she'll never be satisfied by that dinky little twig in your hair. <laughs> it was so good. Uh, Bill, what do you think of uh, Six Flags? Love this. Uh, everything you said about Sarah. You know, I, I'm kind of going back and forth in my mind with who's having the better season. Uh, you know, we obviously know about J.A.J., Who's having the better season, Sarah's freshman season or Dismuke's sophomore season? I feel like that's kind of an interesting, you know, what, you know, behind the scenes thing that we're looking at. But yeah, this this was so fantastic. I was surprised by the audience recognition of the Six Flags guy. This is 15 years ago, and it feels like a local commercial. I know I know Six Flags is everywhere, but like I feel like this was something that was kind of a New Jersey thing. Um, so I was really kind of impressed by 
the cheers that the Six Flags guy got from the from the second or Mister Six, not a Six Flags guy. Um, yeah, this this was great. Like uh, Haynes said, went on a little too long, but uh, otherwise fantastic. Yeah, I, they don't really have too many. I, I don't know if they have Six Flags up in Canada, but they don't really have too many. If they do, they have like Canada's Wonderland and things like that. Uh, we have a thing called LeBron in Montreal. But um, when I was on a trip to Boston uh, with camp, uh, we all went down there and we went to Six Flags. And I actually know somebody I knew uh, got banned for 100 years from Six Flags. He has the paper and everything wow. uh, signed by Mr. Six. But no, no. But like he, he actually got banned for 100 years because he was riding up. Uh, I think he was getting on a roller coaster and he jumped off like right after it started mm. and uh yeah he got ridden up so that was like a pretty epic thing that like most people knew around our community um <laughs> anyways that's an aside um morgan what did you think of six flags as a sketch i agree with what everyone's saying like on the sarah piece um i think that she's gr a great addition to the cast um she's like different in a way than everyone else like she has that like I don't even know how to describe it. She's like an interesting side to her. If you ever like see any of her other like social media or other comedy, she's like done. It's like crazy stuff. Um, so I thought that this role was good for her. Um, and I did love the B plot like so much. I thought that that was hilarious when Lizzo kept like burning him. Um, that made me laugh a lot. Um, and I also agree that it was way too long. And then they brought out like a bunch of other Mr. Sixes, and I thought that that was just kind of like rushed. Also, like we saw that for like a second, like I feel like it was unnecessary. Um, but yeah, overall, I thought that it was creative, and I liked um, Sarah a lot. And this, that's an interesting like question about Andrew's second season and then Sarah's first. Like I feel like they're so different, um, and they've been in like su they're such like different um, comedians and like people. So. I can't really even compare them, but I think that they're both like doing really, really well in my opinion. And I think Andrew's like grown so much too, um, this season. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be really fun when we get to the end of the season and we do our postseason roundtables and, and postseason by the number show. And we talk about really who has had the best season. We'll obviously get community votes on stuff like that. Um, and we talk about, you know, whether it is James Austin Johnson, Sarah Sherman, Andrew Dismuke, Chris Red. I mean, all nominees for really MVPs of the season in turn, you know, in different aspects of the show. So it'll be really exciting to do that. Um, and yeah, sorry, John, one side note here, it's kind of crazy uh, to think about, and I don't know if this signals the end of her tenure, but, you know, obviously we had Kate as Fauci in the cold open, but her other two sketches tonight were, or, or on Saturday were background. You know, she was the harpist in uh, the orchestra, and she was just a random Six Flags guy with a couple of lines in this one. And that felt very Phil Hartman-esque, where, you know, his last few episodes he was kind of fading into the background until he got the big finale. But just a side note, could be nothing, but uh, found it interesting. Yeah, it, it was like, if I just look at the stats really quickly, I mean, she came back in the Billie Eilish episode, was in seven sketches, and really wasn't in more than three or four of them until like this episode, pretty much when I think, yeah, she was in a, in a few, but, uh, you know, yeah, in five. Um, but yeah, for me, it's like, it, it was interesting. Haynes, did you want to jump in? Well, I was just going to say, well, first of all, there was something about that delivery bill that just sounded so haunting. 
the way you were talking about Kate possibly fading out here. I'm working um, on my Keith Morrison. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I will say, I think um, I, I, I had a feeling about the orchestra sketch. I feel like I got a feeling. I, I, I feel like. Um, Kate kind of low key stole that sketch. Like I really, I really liked her. Don't be racist line. And then, and then again, at some point she said something, or maybe she didn't say something. They just went to her when she was playing the harp. And it was just, I really felt like the two times they cut to her, she was just kind of like stealing the moment. Um, so yeah. 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 That's my, that's my worst fear. Kate leaving. She's my favorite ever. Always. But, and she's so talented. So that's why it like sucks to see her more in these background characters. But I mean, also, I feel like to be optimistic, I feel like they always have to like have the new characters kind of get their moment and get their footing in. And Kate's like been there and done that. So maybe they're just letting them have some more airtime. But that's scary that the thought that she could be leaving. Yeah, Morgan, if it helps, we have all had to live through our favorite cast members leaving the show and then mourning them. So uh, we will be there for you. And I'm sure Kate will come back and host 100,000 times. So not, don't worry about it. But um, she, uh, I, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens with her as the season comes to a close. We've been talking about her leaving for a few years now. I'm not, I'm, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, Okay, just going through the episode, making sure that there's nothing else we didn't miss. Uh, the trivia game show sketch, we didn't really talk anything about. Um, I did uh, like... Clint Literus! It gave me a good chuckle. Um, I thought that Lizzo had some good vibes here. I loved when uh, Chris, they were complaining about the hotel, and Chris was like... And fluffy towels! And fluffy towels. Um, yeah, so that, would, uh, that one worked for me uh, in aspects. But um, otherwise, uh, the orchestra sketch, that was the only other one we didn't really cover. And um, yeah, it just looked like that was one of the, again, we talked about, you know, being uh, more fun than funny. But I did like A.D. Bryant in that sketch. I want to point her out particularly for that one. I this booty for Beethoven. <laughs> I think she was having. And she, was she having looked. A good time. She looked like she was she looked like she was starting to break at one point and that was actually in a genuine way that that I didn't feel like held up the sketch in any way but yeah there was some line early in the sketch where she had to come in and say something and and her her trying not to break was was kind of funny to me. I will say with the um with the with the what's that or whatever the game show sketch was called um it was funny when I learned that that Michael Che was one of the one of the folks who co-wrote that sketch um the who made you the mayor of game town this sounded like such a michael che line to me in the moment when i was watching it i was like it sounds like such a michael che line i don't know why uh so it was funny to it was good to see that he that he was a, he was one of the writers there yeah I, I think everybody brought in an orchestra I, I laughed at alex on rewatch uh you know staring at lizzo as she's twerking and then uh <laughs> heidi with the line uh you know it's only three hours till the show you know it, it, there was a lot of good one-liners as they cut to the different people i liked the orchestra one a lot um it was creative and it was yeah it was a creative way to get a lot of them in it together and they were all like kind of different um and that's when they were like breaking a lot um there was a lot well, of good one-liners in that, for sure. My only question is, why was Red's character from 1974? <laughs> that was I, so I weird. thought he was playing undercover brother. I, I, yeah, I was like, what is happening yeah. here? Yeah, that was Wait. very weird. I, I do think that they were... The only thing that was missing for me from this was this. <laughs> I felt like, yeah. Uh, they could, there could have been something in there with Chris. So, uh, Morgan, anything else? Quickly about the game show one... 
is it just me or like I'm honestly really sick of the game show ones. I feel like the first sketch after the monologue for the past like four episodes, it's been a game show one. And when in the beginning, John, when you were talking about like um, a pattern, I kind of felt like that was like this is a reoccurring pattern. And it makes me like get the episodes confused because I'm like, wait, didn't I just watch like we just watched this? I think they need to tone it down on the game shows, honestly. But like this specific game show, there were a lot of funny one-liners and things like that. But just like the whole concept of the game show, I feel like it's just getting repetitive to me. But They rely on it heavily. There's no doubt about that. The way that I cope with it, because I kind of have some of the same feelings as you, Morgan. The way I cope with it is that... Um, you know, depending on what environment you're in, like there's many modes of transportation, but often there's one you rely on most heavily. Like sometimes I'm taking a bus, sometimes I'm in a plane, but most of the car, most of the time in my environment, I'm in a car. Like the game show is just there, four door sedan that like we're in all the time, but it gets you where you need to go. And so that's like how I'm coping with it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I can go deeper than Haynes on that. That's, that's pretty <laughs> deep, man. But uh, yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. That's, it's way too much. I will give them credit for trying different stuff. They're not trotting out a Jeopardy every week. They're not trotting out a family feud every week. So at least there's that. So and they're trying this. This was very different from what we've seen uh, as far as game shows. So at least there's that. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Okay, um, looking at uh, this episode as a whole, obviously I said Andrew Dismukes 100 sketch. Uh, Chris Red's 300 sketch was the Black Eyed Peas sketch. So that is a milestone for Chris. Um, looking at the sketch appearances, I just want to make note of. We don't always read this out every week, but I just want to say like um, probably the most evenly spread appearances in terms of sketches for the entire cast there's usually a very large disparity i mean melissa and chloe and punky and james were only in two there was nobody in one nobody in none unless you count pete obviously um but really like everybody got a couple things um mikey chris and bowen led the night with six things but you know uh, keenan kate ego with five like there was just a lot of of really just evenly spread out things so i think that people were talking about enjoying this episode i think that's where that came from Let's go to our episode MVP. Let's do that next. Um, so we're, I'm going to ask you for three names for your top three for the MVP, and then I will show you what the audience felt about the MVP results. So Morgan, who is your top three for MVP? Um, I think, obviously, I think Lizzo like, did amazing as musical and as host, and it was really fun to watch her. So definitely Lizzo. Um, definitely Bowen. I feel like he had a lot of shining moments there. For sure. Um, and maybe like Sarah, because I really did like the Six Flags one. And I think that that was a good moment for her. Okay. Haynes, give us your top three for MVP this week. Um, I think Dismukes, uh, Mikey Day had a lot of strong roles, even in the, you know, the, the throne rooms sketch, which I thought was just, you know, really not that great. I, th I thought he delivered his lines really well. Um, and then maybe i was also thinking about sarah even though you know the six flags was her big thing but even in like the tiktok video her like annoying laugh was uh very funny to me so, so maybe eating I'd, the microphone <laughs> yeah so maybe i throw her in there too yeah okay so it is mukes mikey and sarah uh bill who is your top three for mvp uh a little bit of mix of both i'm gonna go with uh bowen uh sarah and dismukes 
Bowen, Sarah, and Diz Mukes. Okay, let's bring up our MVP results on screen from this week at the show. If you ever want to vote in these, by the way, on our Instagram or our Twitter account, those will be up on Monday afternoons before our roundtable. And winning the night was Andrew Dismukes with 31.71%. I believe Haynes had Andrew Dismukes in first place. So great job, Haynes, there. We also had uh, Lizzo come in second place with 20.73% of the vote. Big props to Melissa Villasenor. I think it's the first time we've had her all season in the top of the MVP voting, but 9.76%. Bowen Yang comes in fourth with 7.32%. And Sarah Sherman comes in fifth with 6.10% percent of the vote okay so i want to talk about what's coming up next with benedict cumberbatch and arcade fire but before we do we did ask the audience as well we asked who do you want to see pull double duty next okay so obviously we had billy eilish and lizzo do double duty uh we asked and you could include anybody who's already done double duty so we said who do you want to see do double duty next i'll go around the panel and ask you for one pick morgan do you have a pick I think Miley Cyrus would be really good. We've seen her, like, obviously as musical guests, but then we've seen her do some appearances in sketches, and I always think that she was good. Um, so, obviously, a double would be, like, great for her. Yeah, for sure. A return to hosting for Miley Cyrus. Haynes, what are your thoughts? Any double duty uh, you would like to see come up? Paul McCartney. Oh, that would be uh, that would be an all timer. Yeah, that would yeah. be a great pick. Yeah, for sure. Paul McCartney never hosted the show, but obviously has a lot of lore. I would say a Hall of Famer, an SNL. And Hall he's and yeah, he's pretty he's he's pretty good with his acting. I feel like he delivers his lines in like a very cheeky way. It's funny. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be very epic. Uh, Bill, a pick for a double duty. Obviously, Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I I'm going to steal yours, John. Probably uh, Justin Timberlake. Uh, yeah. we, we need him back. It's been too long. Yeah. Bring that sexy time. back. Yes, of course. Uh, yeah. The, I mean, obviously that is for sure. Uh, Apple D app and taboo or, you know, just never like one of those. I think that would make sense. Um, so this is what the audience voted on. Uh, and they said at the top of the list, Harry Styles to come in and do double duty one more time. Obviously, Harry Styles had a big weekend doing Coachella and uh, with Shania Twain a little bit. Um, so Harry Styles comes in with 30.21% of the vote. Doja Cat comes in second place, about 10.5% of the vote. Taylor Swift at 7.29% of the vote. We saw Taylor do it once. Donald Glover returns to the show, 5.73. Next up, a tie at 4.17 between Bo Burnham and Britney Spears, uh, followed by The Weeknd at 3%, Megan The Stallion at 3%, Weird Al at 1.56%, and Rihanna at about one point zero. So uh, that would be very, very fun for who we want to see do double duty next. They usually do max like two a season. So I wouldn't be surprised if we don't get one until the fall, at least. Okay, let's talk about what's coming up next with host Benedict Cumberbatch and musical guest Arcade Fire. So Benedict Cumberbatch has hosted the show before. This came a you know in 2016 in November of 2016, which is obviously notorious for other reasons um, and wonderful for certain reasons. You know, Cubs winning the World Series and all that. Um, but the Benedict Cumberbatch episode, you know, not too many things that were that memorable from that. Uh, we had a Chad in that episode. We had a Gemma, um, and then obviously Chicago Cubs coming in. We had 
Church Lady on Weekend Update. So those are some memories from the first episode. Um, I'll try, if some of our patrons are interested in watching that in our patron feedback group, we can watch the original one uh, before the next episode. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch also cameoed in the Tina Fey 2018 monologue, which had a ton of guests come in, uh, came in to talk about wanting to replace Keenan on the show. And of course, musical guest Arcade Fire, who's been on the show a ton of times, always a really fun guest and most notable in terms of our community for new cast member or Arcade Fire. Okay, let's talk about our expectations for Benedict Cumberbatch. Morgan, what are your thoughts? Um, I'm not, it's not that I'm not like a fan of him. I just haven't like seen that many movies that he's been in and stuff, but every SNL that I've seen him in, it's been really um, entertaining to watch and fun. Um, so I'm excited to see like what he's going to bring and what different things they're going to be doing. Um, so yeah, it's going to be great. Haynes, do you also think it's going to be great? I sure hope so. Um, I, you know, I thought the I thought that Lizzo was going to be like the best host of all time. And I'm not, I don't mean to sound like I'm hating on Lizzo again, just because she was like breaking a lot. Um, I do. I, I have very high hopes for this episode. I think Benedict Cumberbatch is a superb actor. I think he's really, really, really good. Um, so I think that this could be very fun. I would love to see him portray I actually noticed a little bit of a physical similarity in the face between him and the freshman congressman from my home state, Madison Cawthorn, who talks about the cocaine sex orgies and posts videos of himself punching trees to death. Um, I would love, to, I would love to see Benedict Cumberbatch um, play him since he's been in the news a little bit lately. I think that'd be fun. Okay, we'll we'll keep an eye out for that. <laughs> uh, Bill, uh, thoughts on Benedict Cumberbatch joining the show? Again, the only thing I can remember from his 2016 is uh, the game show. <laughs> Again, uh, why is uh, Benedict Cumberbatch hot? Uh, that's the only thing that comes to mind. Uh, very unmemorable. Hope it's a lot more memorable this time. You said there was a Gemma in it, so let's hope that doesn't happen. But. Um, <laughs> I, I think I'm more excited about Arcade Fire, but uh, I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt on a second try. Yeah, I think people were slightly underwhelmed with the announcement, if I could be completely honest, from what I had heard, uh, just general consensus. But I think that uh, people, obviously, who are huge Marvel fans seem to love him as Doctor Strange, and seems he seems to fit that role perfectly. So I do think that uh, the, it was a weird time. Obviously, SNL was flying on, you know, was doing pretty well at that time in comparison to what was happening at the world. I think that that season generally was uh, pretty well regarded in terms of some of the stuff they were pulling and became very tiring uh, down the road but i think that uh this is a lower stakes moment for benedict cumberbatch to come in and host the show not in the middle of like you know an election cycle where everything is just being crazy and i think there's a lot of potential here uh for these new writers to come in and write for somebody who could definitely play weird and uh really like a method actor so i think there could be some fun here with benedict cumberbatch but of course, you know, before we get to that episode, we have some more shows coming up. So uh, if you miss our hot take show or you're just catching the end of our roundtable, make sure to go back and check out those shows. Really fun breaking down everything from the Lizzo episode. We have one more show talking about the Lizzo episode, and that show will be tomorrow night. That is our patron feedback show. So we have two patrons joining us. We have the great Casey Killingsworth, who is always joining us in our chats and joined us for a couple patron feedback shows and a super fan takeover back in the day. Um, we also have Thomas Senna, another one of our great patrons who actually 
attended dress rehearsal this week. So he'll tell us some behind the scenes moments of what he saw in dress this week. We will answer your questions. Those forms will go up tonight. So if you're listening and watching the show live and you want to get your questions in, make sure to send them in starting tonight so we can make sure to get them in for the show. We'll also go over everything in SNL social media. Then we have a little bit of a hiatus before we come back on Monday, April 25th. The super fans will be live. Bill and Haynes will be there with Haskell and Sammy to talk about the best of the 2010s. Can you believe it? SNL has put out DVDs of the best of the 70s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s. And I guess, you know, people aren't collecting DVDs anymore. So now we need to fill out what would have been in the best of the 2010s DVD. Maybe the Benedict Cumberbatch will make it into the show, uh, that episode. Who knows? But they'll talk about their favorite moments from the entire decade and which ones should have made the uh, best of the 2010s DVD. So um, that will be a lot of fun to make sure to check out that show. We'll be back with our By the Number show the following Monday. And of course, a lot of coverage for Benedict Cumberbatch when we get to that show coming up at the beginning of May. Okay, Morgan, please tell the listeners where they can reach out to you. And thanks for joining us tonight. Thank you for having me. Um, you can just find me at Morgan Kaloran. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Um, this was so much fun. And yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, really great to have you. And obviously, make sure to check out Morgan's appearances on Hollywood Dish this season. She was fantastic. Haynes, always great to hear from you. Even if you don't love the episode, you always have great takes. So really great to talk to you about the show tonight. Thanks. Love being here. Um, I'm always on uh, Twitter at SNL has a cast and Instagram at can drew attitude. You know, I've never been a big social media guy, but I uh, have been trying to mouth off a little more lately. So I promise to offend someone. Uh, feel free to tune in. Yeah, for sure. And Haynes, we got to get you on TikTok so you can get all the references now. Uh-uh, never. <laughs> okay. All right, Bill Kenny, always great to talk to you. It's been uh, so much fun podcasting with you lately and can't wait to keep going. So where can the listeners reach out to you? Thanks for having me as always. Uh, What a great conversation. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at BKLove73. And I'm coming for you, Haynes, next Monday. (laughs) Yeah, that should be a really great show. So uh, if you want to find out everything we're doing and stay up to date with all the shows we got going on, follow us on social media at the SNL Network, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can find me at John Schneider 24 to talk to me about anything related to Saturday Night Live. And then you can also subscribe to the podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify to make sure to never miss a show. All right, for our panel, Morgan Haynes and Bill and everybody in the chat tonight, Thanks for joining us on our roundtable. We will see you next time, everybody. Have a good one.